Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome along to this week's podcast. We are standing beside what is a magnificent old horse-drawn tram inside the museum itself and I'm joined by Graham today and we're going to have a wee walk round and have a discussion about the tram itself. Graham, welcome along. We've got this lovely example of a, an old horse-drawn tram that was rescued from a garden in Perth and been used as a summer house. The tram itself may not be immediately recognisable to a lot of people as such but there are pictures all dotted around the the tram itself and on the wall that uh, shows it actually being used as a tram and pulled by horses uh, around the Albert Square. I think the year was 1894, the picture says. It's in fairly good condition for being of that age. Certainly better condition than you would expect it to be being left out in the, in the open. Part of the back of the tram has had some damage due to the weather, but it's survived remarkably well. For, for something that is well over 100 years of age, it really is quite amazing when you, you have a look at, as I say, the, the interior, the exterior, original interior inside. It's just, it's just amazing. The craftsmanship of the inside, showing where they would uh, have roof lights to let daylight into the, the tram and uh, the condition of the wood is obviously... People took great pride when they were making these things in that period. Otherwise, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have lasted. I wouldn't like to see anything made of modern-day materials lasting more than a hundred years. So, how many people would the likes of this tram hold? Well, in its early days, one level would hold up to 30 people, and it was pulled by two horses. I guess on the fairly level stretches of the track in the city centre, that would be quite doable, but as more people became able to afford to use the, the tram service, they didn't put more trams on, all they did was put steps up to the roof and put seats on the roof with a little railing around it, and that could almost double the capacity of it. So we're, we're walking around a little bit further, we're now at front of the, the tram? The trams would have been uh, double-ended so that you could just hitch the the two horses to either end as you couldn't, there wasn't a turntable in these days for turning the trams so they would go back and forwards and you would just hitch the, the horses on either end and whoever was uh, I don't know if you call him the driver or, or what he would have been called it would have been his job to uh, look after the horses and the, and the machine itself so not an easy task I don't suppose in, in all weathers there's one light on the front that would have been a 
a paraffin or an acetylene lamp on the front and back. So they would just hitch the horses on and off you go in the opposite direction. There's a fantastic amount of pictures contained within the museum. I mean, looking at this one here, Albert Square area, with, as you've spoken about, the upper deck being utilised, the stair being added, and the, the two horses out the front there. And, and Albert Square, still quite recognisable from today and over 100 years ago. Well, the picture that we're talking about is actually this car that we have here. It's, um, we got identification numbers off the, the vehicle once uh, some of the paint was taken back and with the help of DC Thompson's and their archives we actually got a picture of car number 24 with its passengers and its horses pulling it around what would be Euclid Crescent, Albert Square and it uh, would have been on its way up the Perth Road to West Park Road according to the sign on the side so um, men in their bowler hats and in fact the, the driver as well looks like he's got a bowler hat on so must have been the, the headwear of reference in the day. So we've got a huge history about the uh, Dundee and District Tramway Company and all about the, the tramways in Scotland and things. It's a great sort of source of knowledge for people coming into the museum to visit to find out all about how the tramways were. Yeah, it tells you the dates that each of the lines were, were laid and whether there was, uh, it was a private company, which was the Dundee and District Tramways, which... Uh, ultimately became Dundee Corporation, who were responsible for expanding the tram network. In the early days, it would be a, a, a private venture all through Scotland. There was, there was tram systems, the horse-drawn, then the steam, and then the electric. This particular tram, you can see that part of the canopy where it covers the driver has been cut away to facilitate putting the steps up to the, the second deck. And it's credit to the makers that the roof was strong enough to have another 15 or so people sitting on the top roof. And it's a credit to them again that the materials they've used have withstand, have stood the time. It's had a, a hard life, but sitting in a garden in Perth wouldn't have been any less hard because it's, uh, it's stood the time well uh, with very little damage. And I'm sure anyone that comes to see it I'll be surprised how well it looks. Sam, tell us a little bit more about where we are at the moment. So we are in Hall 1 of the museum. We're just looking at one of the most recent acquisitions that we have. And this is the SS Empire Kitchener. So it's a model of a cargo ship that was built at the Caledon Shipyard in Dundee. We're very fortunate to have the model. It's just recently arrived from London. It's on a long-term loan for us. So it's just great to have the model back in Dundee. It's not been, as far as we're aware, it's not been on display to the public before. So it's a fantastic acquisition and something that we will have for many years to come. And the SS Empire Kitchener, built down at the Caledon, perhaps some of our younger listeners might not be familiar with what the Caledon actually was. No, so the Caledon was a shipyard in Dundee, and I think it operated for over 100 years, 107 years of shipbuilding in the city. So this particular ship was built in 1944, and you can see, if you look a bit closely, it's quite heavily armed, so it's a bit different from your normal cargo ship. You can see the guns, like, from the hull. It's pretty heavily armed, and it was only used for a year or so before it was sold, and then I think it was taken to to Canada. So, 
Yeah, it's got quite an interesting history, obviously, because it was built here in Dundee. And that's one thing that we're keen to do is just to, you know, sort of have more of a display on the shipping heritage of the city. So, a cargo ship, why does it have guns? Well, 1944, talking the Second World War, so this would have been commissioned to be built probably in early 1943, and so that would have been put into the specifications of the ship that needed to have heavy armoury on it. Okay, so we've moved into the entrance hall, and we are looking at the the back corner dedicated to all things related to the Fifes. We're joined today by Forbes, and we're going to discuss a little bit about the Fifes. Forbes, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Nice to meet you. What can you tell us about the Fifes? We're looking at this display here. What well, can you tell us about it? ferries, but commonly and more friendly known as the Fifes that sail between Dundee and Newport across in Fife. The models we have in the museum at the moment are one of the earlier ones, two paddlers in fact. One of them, the BL Nairn, went right on till the end. The Sir William High went away for scrap when it was actually replaced. The BL Nairn, as I say, stayed right up till the end, 1966, when the bridge opened, when they were actually replaced, taken out of service. And the other one we have is of the later one. There was two of them, Aber Craig and Scotch Craig. They ended up both being sold to a firm in Southampton, but ended up out at Malta. One of them was used in the pop-by film, Unfortunately, after the film, it was sunk. The other one was eventually found by a gentleman called Dave Sinclair in the 1990s in Valencia Harbour in Malta, and he tried to raise money to bring it back, but in the time he came back to Dundee and got a bit in the paper about it, when he got back to Malta, it had been scrapped, so they were all gone. But they were both in service right up to the bridge replaced them. Yeah, I understand it was the same day that the bridge opened that the Fifey stopped. Yes, yeah, they sailed right up until the bridge opened. Until the bridge opened, they were in service. Um, they were kind of a curtail near the end because it, I think it was low tide. The bridge was stopping them from getting across the sandbar in the middle of the river. So, the, you know, there was a limit to the sailing they were doing laterally. And, and how long would it take you? To, I mean, I know on the bridge it takes you just a matter of minutes to get the two miles from one side to the other. What about with one of the five feet? Well, the time two, of them, two of them in service. It was a half-hour service, so it must have been like a 10, 15-minute crossing. It also depended on the tide. If it was a high tide, it was a very straight crossing. They went straight across the river. Some of the other artefacts that we've got here, I mean, I'm, I'm looking around here and we're, we're coming around. Some of the original fixtures and fittings? Yes, the clock actually came out of the Tayferi's building at the Fife side. We found that when we started the museum about three years. One of our members came across that sitting, and that's one of the original things. The notice, Tayferi's noted board, Dundee Harbour, that's an original one as well. I'll have to be honest and say I have little or no memory, in fact none at all, because I was a child of 1966, so Bridge has always been there for me. What sort of memories do you have of Fifey's and, and your own personal experience? Uh, ones I remember is the f- one of the first times I went out with a girl was a trip across in the Fifey. Uh, I had a push bike at the time, and whether it was dead romantic or not, I don't know. But I've also got a picture of me taken by an uncle from America, a movie, no sound on it, and I must be primary school age. I don't remember the actual trip, but it's definitely me, it's on the, the thing there, on the Fifey. And you see a picture of it, quality is obviously going now because of the age, but that's the two recollections I have of the Fifey. And we're looking here, obviously, a couple of tickets here for passenger return, and we've got one here that's, that's saying for the special last sailing and charging a whole five shillings now. Well, that's 1966, so I mean, that was 
that would be quite, I mean, I'm I think 66, I'd be working by then. I think I was earning something like about, what, no, £10 a week. So maybe five shillings was oh, it? Oh, it would be a few pounds nowadays, yeah. yes. Yeah, that was donated. They, they did quite a few of these. We had two of them, I think, we've been handed in, but we've put one of them in the case. We're going to look a little bit at the future for the museum, because obviously you're looking to develop the museum with new areas and new exhibits that are relevant to the local area. Mm-hmm. What other things have you got planned for developing it and making it something different? So the museum received a donation from the Tayrail Bridge Disaster Memorial Trust. What we're going to do with that money is develop an exhibition about the Tayrail Bridge Disaster. Just to give you a bit of background about the Trust, they were actually established several years ago to erect the memorials at either side of the bridge to the people who had lost their lives and in the disaster. And now that they've achieved their aims of bringing the memorials to the Fife side and the Dundee side of the bridge, they found that they had this money left over and they wanted to do something with it relating to the Terial Bridge disaster. So they approached us about developing a display um, which we're very keen to do because we don't have anything on the Terial Bridge disaster in the museum. You know, we feel that like this can enhance the, particularly the displays on railways in the museum. So we'll be working with them throughout 2017 um, and we hope towards the end of 2017 we'll have um, a display in the museum on the disaster. So, T-Rail Bridge disaster puts a kind of whole new, because all the, the things that we see here in the, the museum are, are things that are, you know, exhibits of cars mm-hmm. and trams. The T-Rail Bridge disaster is something that you won't have, but you'll have yeah. sort of memories and displays and um, hopefully find some relics or something from there with that be how you'd want to develop the the area from there? Pretty much. I think what we've, the initial talks have been about looking at almost like the human aspect of the disaster, how it affected both sort of the local community and just looking at some of the people who did lose their lives that night. So it will be quite different from the displays that we have currently, but we want to bring more of that social history to the museum you know, and bring people's stories to the museum. So we're hopeful that that's what the display will look like when Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to the museum, 